All right. Well, good morning again, friends. Uh, I cannot uh, overes- overestimate, oversay how much we're trying to interact with you this morning. So this is going to be a different format. I'm going to do my very best to ask questions so that you can respond, and we're going to dialogue back and forth. That's the plan for this morning. So uh, the message that I had prepared, we've tweaked to a different kind of format here. And so if you don't interact back with me, uh, this is a total mistake, okay? And so um, I'm definitely going to need you to do that. So as an opening, can you do that? All right, yeah. When we got the light on, we're going to do some different things here on the, on the whiteboard, try to interact with you. So definitely need to be able to do that. How many of you, uh, and, and we've got some kids in here, uh, in every kindergarten classroom, uh, in most grade school classrooms, you have different jobs in that classroom. And so there's the job of the line leader. There is the job of the calendar person. What's that calendar person called? I, the calendar king? The calendar king? I don't think that's a real thing. Um, uh, kids over here, so I got a few kids in here. What's the jobs that you get in elementary school in, in response to, you're the caboose? Okay. Uh, some of us just spend life being the caboose. Okay. Uh, what other jobs are there? Blackboard washer. Going back old school here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smartboard turner offer would be the more modern version of that. Yeah, yeah. Others? Turn off the lights when you go outside. There's one key one that I'm, we're not getting, I don't think. Snack. Pledge leader. Yeah, that's a good one. I pledge leaders. Yeah. What about the weather? Don't we do that every day? Were you about to say that? Yeah, I'm sure you were. Uh huh. So there's the weather every day. So how many of you, raise your hands if you enjoy being the weatherman for the classroom? Yeah, we got a couple. Um, how many of you, is there anyone in here who is a weatherman by trade? Not, not that I'm aware of, right? It is a thankless job, would you agree? Days like today. So yesterday, uh, the weather said it was going to turn bad at 2 p.m., and it didn't turn bad in, until very late in the day. Uh, we had a family here from our church that served with us yesterday, um, and they headed out for Pittsburgh. Does anyone know how warm it was in Pittsburgh yesterday? It was 81 degrees in Pittsburgh yesterday. How far is Pittsburgh from here? Three hours. So Pittsburgh's about three hours from here, and they did our service project, and they got in the car, and they hightailed uh, for Pittsburgh, where it was 81 degrees yesterday. Now, if you've lived in a different part of the country and you're a weatherman, uh, it's a lot easier to be a weatherman in other parts of the country. Where we lived at in Greenville, South Carolina, you literally could just go back about seven hours from what happened in Atlanta is coming your way. I mean, it's just going to come across the, the, the country and it's going to hit you. If you're a weatherman in that area, I can't imagine, and I know I'm simplifying things and there's people already writing stuff that by the way, if you, I'm not going to answer, this might, I'm not answering text messages, by the way, right now. Like, for every once in a while that thing goes off, there's no way I can interact with you in that way. Anyway, so stop it. Uh, Brian is, is manning the stations here, so talk to him if you want to ask a question. Uh, and that goes through this room as well. Uh, I'm going I'm to ask Brian a little bit to interact back and forth, and so you can do that, and Brian will kind of kick some of these things back to us. Um, but a weatherman is kind of a thankless job. So imagine, if you will... Uh, you are at a restaurant, a coffee shop, and this man comes in and he's got the, the local uh, TV station weather jacket on. So you know he's the weatherman. And he comes in and he is sopping 
wet. And he has got his parka on, and he has got flip-flops on, and you realize that he pulled up in his Corvette with the top down, and he is soaked from head to toe. Is there a problem with this situation? Why? What's the problem, Deb? What's the problem? Why didn't he put his top? What is his job? He should have known what the weather was going to be like, right? Thank you for your interaction. Those of you in the front, we need all the help we can get here today. Okay, so the weatherman should know what's coming. So today, our, our message is going to be coming from the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you've got a black Bible in front of you, pull that out. A New International Version, for those of you following online, I'll be using the New International Version. Use your version app or something like that. Tab yourself back and forth uh, to be able to do that. Um, I want to make this statement to start, and I think we're going to be able to put it on your screen. We're going to do some fill-ins, but we're going to kind of go off script a little bit. As you can imagine, we didn't have everything in print uh, this morning. So kids, we're going to do some things with the whiteboard. We're just going to try something, and we'll see if it works, and hopefully it'll come back next week if it doesn't. I don't know, but we're, we're going to do the best we can. So the first statement I'll make this morning is this. When you hear a message that is life-changing, you look at the messenger to see the validity of the claims. If the weatherman tells you that it is going to be a beautiful day, then you want to see him show up wearing flip-flops and sunscreen on his nose. Would you agree with that? If there is a message that is life-changing, you would expect the messenger to validate that message. What would be another example of that? What was that? The British are coming. The Redcoats are coming, yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of fervor behind that message, I would say. Okay, did not see that coming. What's that? A cook that won't eat the food he's serving to others would be a problem. I agree with that. There's this, uh, where's our chef? Our resident chef isn't here this morning. Um, maybe he fed you, where's Wally? Wally, maybe he fed you the food yesterday and knows better to show up today. <laughs> um, okay, any other examples of that? If you see an infomercial for somebody who's supposedly uh, in fit, you know, that they've, they, used to, they lost 400 pounds in a month and all they had to do was whatever, you would hope that they're skinny, at least when they're telling that story, right? Okay, so when you hear the message that is life-changing, you look to the messenger to see the validity of the claims. So this morning we're going to talk through four marks of a genuine Christian messenger. Four marks of a genuine Christian messenger. What do I mean when I say marks? Four marks. Characteristics. Good. What? Postures? Punctuations. Four marks. Four characteristics. Punctuations. Others. Descriptions. Anything from those guys? When I ask a question, I need to wait 10 seconds or a minute? Yeah, it's a little bit of a lag. We'll see how that goes. Okay. So we got a little bit of a lag there. Maybe too many of you on the Wi-Fi. We talked about this ahead of time, people. Okay. What is it? Signs. Marks. Signs. If I use the word scars, does that give you a different different thought. Four marks of a Christian messenger. 
All right, so we're going to try to do some things this morning. I said that you can draw, you can interact. Here's our first uh, thing I'd like you to draw, because I'm going to do everything with stick figures, because it's really as good as it's going to get up here. Okay, so if I draw this, what is that? You have no idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, guys, what is it? A mailman. Hey. Mail. Thanks, buddy. The mailman. Mail. Your first fill-in this morning is this. We came. And then the rest of it is the gospel we carry. We came. The gospel we carry. Use the black marker. We came, the gospel we carry. Can you see it better if I do this? Oh, everyone says, okay, thank you, all right. We're learning. We came, the gospel we carry. Now, this is, I'm going to allow you to use the internet, allow you to do... How many of you know some interesting facts about uh, mailmen? Um, dogs don't like mailmen. My dog loves everyone on the planet, and she looks at the mailman or a squirrel, the two of those things, and she wants to kill that thing with all uh, she's worth. Other than that, we're good. Um, so, so did you know that mail is still delivered by mule? Mail is still today in the U.S. delivered by mule. Where do you think that might be? I learned this this morning. Alaska, no. The Appalachian Trail sounds nice, but no. Grand Canyon, yes. The Grand Canyon mail today is still delivered by mule. There's also mail still delivered by boat. Guess where? Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> I suppose that might be true. I, don't, I can't validate that. Michigan. Just on Lake Michigan, there is a lot of mail that is, that is put there. There's also a cave, and I, I can't remember where it is, where there's a cave. Hey, buddy, I see that sign. He's, got, he's like, I love my daddy. Yeah, yeah, you do, buddy. Um, so mail being delivered, uh, you have to have stamps. And there's a cave somewhere in the Midwest that all stamps are kept down in this deep, dark cave so that stamps don't go bad over time. Does anyone have stamps that go bad over time? I didn't know that was a problem either. Uh, but apparently we have a cave for that. Um, the gospel we carry. What's maybe a slogan uh, that we learn from a mail carrier? The mail must go through. Through ice and sleet, we'll go to church. That's a different one. <laughs> Mailman, there's, a, there's like a saying. What is it? Neither rain nor something of night. We're getting closer. You're allowed to use your Google machine here. Suzanne writes, are dependable most of the time. Mailmen are dependable most of the time. Thank you, Suzanne. Uh, we were hoping that... We knew that someone from home would interact with us, and we knew Suzanne could help us out. I like that. All right. Neither rain nor sleet. I don't have the answer. I don't know, actually. It's neither rain nor sleet nor snow nor dark of night. We'll deliver the mail, and we'll get it right. Something like that, okay? All right, 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. First two words say, You know, brothers or sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know, brothers or sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Now let's stop there for a moment because what if you don't know? Do you know why their visit was not a failure? What visit is he talking about? Turn back, if you will, uh, stick a piece of paper or something in there. Go over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And we find out when they came there. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 10. It says this, after Paul had seen the vision, this is a vision, a dream, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to carry the gospel to them. God had called us to carry the gospel to them. And so they were going to carry this message, the gospel they would carry, and they were going to go to Thessalonica, to Philippi. And we learn here over, okay, so we go back over. You keep your finger, we'll be going back and forth. Uh, we had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God. Does anybody know what happened in Philippi? You can cheat and look in Acts chapter 16 if you'd like, and 17. What happened in Philippi? What happened in Thessalonica? What, first Philippi. What happened in Philippi? Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they were in prison. Keith, what? Philippian jailer was converted, yeah. They were put in stocks. Stocks around their ankles, right? And they, the, the, how was he converted? Well, they were in stocks and they were singing at midnight. And all of a sudden, all of the jail cells were thrown open. But they went through, why were they in jail? For preaching the gospel. So that's what he's saying. You know this. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi. As you know, so this had all happened there. And he said it was not a failure. Now, if you are a mail delivery guy or gal, how do you determine success or failure? An empty bag. I like that. Which implies what? All the mail got to got delivered, right? So he said it was not a failure. The mail was delivered. The message was delivered. We came. The gospel we carry. Julius Caesar made a very famous statement that we know in English as we, ca we came, we saw, we conquered. What was he talking about? He was talking about a battle that they won very decisively, very quickly. Uh, that happened about 50 to 100 years just before Paul is writing this letter. Now, the letter to, to the Thessalonians is the first, uh, we believe, the first document written in the New Testament. Even before the Gospels, this letter was written. And so Paul, if we know our history on Paul, Paul is most likely being taken to Caesar that he was going to have to go and stand before Caesar. It's a different Caesar. It's not Julius Caesar. But he is going there. And so this idea of we came, we saw, we conquered is in that Roman Empire during that time. And Paul is kind of piggybacking on that same type of attitude and saying, we came, the message was delivered. So far so good? You with me? Let's go to the second point. Uh, we dared. So if I draw uh, for this one, here's what I'm going to draw. Let's see. We dared. How's that? Is that okay? Can you see that? 
we dared, the gospel we tell. Now, my family and I went last week and we hiked a part of the Appalachian Trail. We were there for three days. I had some people comment to me, and we posted a few pictures online and that type of thing, and they said, did you hike the Appalachian Trail? Did you hike through the Appalachian Trail? Three days. If you don't have to know any of your, how long, does anyone know how long the Appalachian Trail is? Oh my goodness. Two, that's my daughter. 2,194 miles this year. It does tend to change year to year. Developments come up and they have to rearrange the trail. 2,194 miles. Do you know where we were on the trail, Delia? We were at Roan Mountain, but mile marker. Do you know where it was? I think it was around mile 360 or somewhere in that range on the Appalachian Trail. We hiked all of about 16 miles of the Appalachian Trail over three days. It, if anyone's done it, and I know that there's uh, some people in our church who've, who've hiked different portions of it. They've section hiked it. Um, and there may be even some who've actually done the whole thing. I don't know. Um, but in that, uh, there are some difficult things there. There's some difficult hikes. Uh, we got to see some of the most beautiful spots on the trail. It wasn't the most difficult spot on the trail, but it was a nice spot to be. There's other parts of the trail that are brutal. I mean, just a tough section of trail. We dared the gospel we tell. In Acts uh, 17 is where we get the background here. But let me first of all read the verse to you here in 1 Thessalonians. It says, as you know, the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. What was the strong opposition that he experienced in Thessalonians? You can go now back over to Acts chapter 17. What was the strong opposition? <coughs> in Acts chapter 17, verse 3, it says that he was explaining uh, the scriptures, he's explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus that I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. That, and then the Jews uproared. They had a problem. So what, what Paul was trying to explain, he said, we dared to explain. This mountain, the opposition was high, and still we dared to tell the story. We were going to climb the highest peak, and no matter what, we were going to carry, we were going to come, we were going to carry that message, and we were dare to share it. And they had already been imprisoned, and they had already been, they'd already seen God rescue them from that. And so now, as they are coming into the city of Thessalonica, uh, they, they are there in the city, and all of a sudden, they are up against strong opposition. And what does he do? He says, I dared to share the gospel. I dared to tell the gospel. There are many physical things that we can go through in life, but Paul is highlighting this, that this is the real dare. This is the real difficult thing uh, to be able to do. The gospel we tell. Now, as he does that, the gospel he dares during strong opposition. And so that strong opposition is, is going to always be there, and yet he still dared to go out. When Paul and Silas had been in prison, when they make their way to the city in Thessalonica, the opposition is strong, and yet he dared to go. Why would he do that? He had a calling. His calling was to do what? To carry the message, to deliver the message. No matter what, he was going to 
deliver this message, regardless of how difficult the city was, regardless of how much, uh, how hard it was. Anyone know how long he was in Thessalonica? Less than four weeks. How do we know that? Any idea? Go back there to, to Acts. There it is, yes. If you didn't hear it, she said there was three, in, in Acts chapter 17, he was there for three Sabbath days. So that adds up to? At least three weeks, maybe four weeks, right? He was going to be run out of town before he reached the fourth. He was only there for a short amount of time. But while he was there, he dared to carry this gospel. He dared to tell it. The gospel we tell. Let's move on. Thirdly, let me use this. Uh, Let me just make sure I'm writing this right. Yeah, we speak. I misspelled it. We're okay. Everything's all right. You like that? That took us a while to come up with, actually, this morning. We were kind of scrambling. How are we going to do this? Uh, The gospel entrusted. The gospel entrusted. So if we speak, the gospel is entrusted. Let me read to you the passage here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. It says this, For the appeal we made does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know that we have never used flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from men, not from anyone else. So what I'm trying to draw here by this speaking is this rippling effect. Uh, And and interesting in this, and we'll have one more fill-in for you this morning. Everything else in this passage is talked about in the past tense. Uh, Now we've got younger kids in here, so, so someone explain maybe past tense, past tense, present tense, future tense when it comes to uh, writing. What do I mean when I say past tense? It already happened. It did happen. Yeah? What if it's in the present tense? It is happening. What's an example? What's happening? There's a worship service going on. It's raining. Yes. And we're all happy with smiles on our face. That's present tense. Maybe. And future, I'm sorry, and what's the last one? Future tense. What does future tense mean? Spring is coming. coming. (laughs) It was past tense, actually. Spring came. Future future tense. Spring is coming. I like that. So past tense, it's already happened. Present tense, it's happening right now. Future tense, it's going to happen. Someday. (laughs) Okay. So these words, as we came... We dared, but then it says we speak. And actually in the way that this is written, the Apostle Paul is using that term. Actually, he's covering all three of those. He says we speak, as in we spoke. We talked to the people at one point. We are speaking right now, and we will continue to be speaking in the future in regards to the gospel. We don't actually have a good way in English to be able to describe that. All three are happening. We spoke in the past, we're speaking right now, and we will continue to speak in the future. Brian, I don't remember what that Greek term is called. It's called the perfect aspect. The perfect aspect. For all of you who want to know what the perfect aspect is, 
Hopefully I described it poorly just now. Anyway, we speak, the gospel is entrusted. Now the Apostle Paul is saying, my motives are clear. He says, I am not looking for money. I am not looking for fame. I am not looking for safety. What I am doing here is I am proclaiming the gospel. I am speaking the gospel because it has been entrusted to me. What does entrusted mean? Maybe you have different uh, versions, have a different word there. What does entrust, something's been entrusted to me? Been given to me? You also say given, something's been given to me? Given into my care, it's been kept safe. Okay? You're trustworthy. It's been entrusted to me, so I must be trustworthy. What's an example of giving something and putting it, you've entrusted something to them? The bank. The mailman. Yeah. There it is. I was waiting for it. Keith, a parent of teenagers, says it's been entrusted. The keys, I don't have my keys on me. They've been entrusted to you. What does that mean? It's not yours. And it had better come back here with the same number of scratches on it that it has right now, right? It's been entrusted to you. And when he's talking about carrying the gospel, there's actually even a, a level two. He says, there's, there's, it gives me a platform by which to stand on. This gospel platform. He's saying, actually what's entrusted to me gives me power, gives me authority. It's almost a badge. He says, the gospel's been entrusted to me so that when I speak, it ripples out and continues to ripple out. And there's something supernatural about that. If I speak in this room and talk loudly, the sound goes and goes and goes. But eventually what happens? It stops. It gets quieter. If you stand in the Grand Canyon and you shout, eventually that sound, although it does echo and echo and echo, it stops. But the gospel is different. The gospel has a ripple effect that gets bigger as it goes out. It goes even further and further. Why? Because there's something supernatural about that. What do I mean if I say supernatural? I'd be careful that I'm not overstating some of these things. What? Almost magical, right? Something spiritual, something God breathed that it creates life and has its own life. And so if we speak, we've been entrusted with the gospel and because we're standing on the gospel platform, we speak, Paul says, and it continues to go out. And he says it's not because, it's not for money, it's not for fame, it's not for safety. And I'll tell you what, there are more Christians who screw this up than maybe any other part of being a Christ follower. More pastors, more leaders more Christians in our neighborhoods as well who, who get caught up in the idea that if I speak about God's blessings, then, then God will bless me and my money. If I, speak, if I speak publicly that I will get famous, all of those things start to kind of mix in there, and it's a mistake because the authority by which we speak on is what? The gospel. Let's go to the last one. We shared our lives as well. Let's say we shared. Our lives as well. Now, if you can't see my... I don't know. 
I'm, I'm actually, we're building a house at home right now. And so as soon as I saw my drawing there, I was like, oh, someone needs to come and do the soffits on that house. <laughs> Which is the way I feel about my own house. Anyway, uh, we're sharing our lives as well. He says, let's read it. Uh, <clears throat> As apostles of Christ, verse 6, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Not only the gospel. There's not many places in Scripture that we read it to say, I shared with them the gospel, but Paul's actually saying the gospel is not enough. Did you pick up on that? The gospel in itself is not enough. So we came, we dared, we speak, we shared, but we shared our lives as well. What does it mean for us to share our lives as well as the gospel? To be there for someone in time of need. To care for someone who is hurting. What does it mean to share our lives as well? Put action to our words. What types of actions? Financial, hospitality, friendship, thank you. Loving one another, physical help, physically being able to help someone, yes. Yesterday, uh, when we went out, we talked about this. Those of you who came back, this little diagram that I'm drawing here with, the, with people under a different type of umbrella. You see, first, we get this idea that the only place that this can happen is in the church. That's a Pretty bad drawing of the church. It looks more like a mushroom. But the idea was the church steeple there, right? And so if we have the idea that the only place that we can share is in the local church, it's actually a mistake because this is not where our lives are shared necessarily. Not entirely. So if we only share our lives in the church, we get confused. If we're in this church building, this is the only place that we share our lives as community because we actually don't spend much of our lives here. So instead, we said, no, we're going to have to actually go out and share our lives in other ways. And so when we do that, then we bring people into our homes. We bring people into our lives. We bring people into our uh, discussions about politics and about life. And all of a sudden, we're sharing our lives, what, as well as the gospel, does Facebook count? Is that what you said? I think that it does. This morning it, this morning it definitely counts. Do you guys count this morning? Wait 30 seconds and they'll respond to me. <laughs> we shared our lives as well. Now, if we're going to be people who share our lives, it doesn't always mean that it has to be in the form of a Saturday work day. Do you understand that? Who is it over here that said... Our friendship. What did you mean by that, Sarah? Living life with them, supporting each other. Yeah. Do you understand what, and I, I said some of back of what Sarah had said, but. Sarah's describing very normal things, if you will. Not only did we share the gospel, but our lives as well. And for some reason, we try to separate those two. We said, now this individual, Deb, I shared the gospel with her. But with Brian or with Dan, I shared my life with Dan. That seems confusing to me. 
That's not, you know the difference between on a check, if you write a check, half of the room has no idea what a check is. If you write a check and you write Nathan Milo, that's my first name, Nathan Milo and Aaron Wilson, and you have to sign the check, did you know that both people have to sign that check in order for that check to come through? Or if you write Nathan Milo or Aaron Wilson, then either one of us can sign that check and get the money from the bank. Now, that separation says, no, we don't, we don't get to share the gospel or our lives. We're supposed to share the gospel and our lives. You see what's going on there? And actually, Paul is saying, that's, we came, we dared to do that. We dared to share our lives for at least three weeks with people in Thessalonica. And he said, it was not a waste of time. For three weeks, he said, we shared our lives with you. And then we got thrown out of the city, but we shared our lives and we shared the gospel. So if these are four marks of a Christian... I said even four scars. Again, we hiked part of the Appalachian Trail last week. And one of the most fun things that we got to do is in the evenings, two different nights, uh, we came and there's a campfire and there's people coming in off of the trail and telling us their stories. And if you've ever hiked with some serious through hikers that are hiking 20, 30 miles a day, there are two things that hikers talk about, those type of hikers. Uh, those of you who are there, others, what, what do you think maybe the two things that hikers talk about? Their lack of toenails? Not, I mean, how tired they are? No, there's two things. I've read about this. Food. Food and gear. That's the only thing they talked about. Hey, what kind of shoes are you wearing? Oh, that's cool. I'm wearing shoes too. Like, and like, I've read stories about after going 1,000, 2,000 miles into this trail, like they're writing each other saying, is this the only thing we've got to talk about? Like whether or not we like to eat the same pasta every day or every night, that type of thing? Or like, what type of Reese's? Do you like Reese's Pieces or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? You know, like, is this our only conversational piece? But there's something about gathering together with those guys because you know they've been hiking the trail. Why? Because they have marks for the, ta- for the trail. Just like Aaron just said, some of them are missing some toenails. Right? And you listen to that messenger of the Appalachian Trail because they have some marks they have some marks that demonstrate that. So our last point this morning is genuine Christianity is built on lives that are in step with the message of the gospel. Lives that are built in step with the message of the gospel. And here's the question for you this morning, and it doesn't matter if you're an 8-year-old in here this morning or if you're an 80-year-old. When we look at this and we say, we came, the gospel we carry. We dared, the gospel we tell. We speak, the gospel entrusted. We shared our lives as well. Can you insert your name in there or even I? I came, the gospel I carried. I dared, the gospel I've told. I speak, the gospel has been entrusted to me. I shared my life, our lives, my family's life, I shared that as well. If you can't, you need to understand that these are the marks of the messenger. These are some battle wounds that the messenger carries. When we went hiking on that trail, we were amongst a few people that were just there for a couple of days. We had all of our toenails, right? We didn't have the same scars 
that everyone else had. There was, there was one group of guys, they were just coming up for a good time this weekend, and literally from the shelter that we were staying at, you could see their car parked at the bottom of the hill down below us. And they had just come up, and they had a lot of gear. They carried all their gear up, and they were chopping wood with their saws, and they were doing all this stuff. The, the thru-hikers, they didn't carry any of that stuff because they actually were going to go somewhere. And it was pretty obvious the marks of a genuine hiker, if you will. The four marks of a genuine Christian messenger. We came, we dared, we speak, we shared. I hope this morning, this format, those of you who are trying to keep up with us online, I hope that this format has worked for you to be able to interact a little bit with this text. There's a lot more there. We're going to come back to it next week and pick up and carry on through the rest of this chapter two. Uh, We'll make our way through that. Um, We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, We are going to have some ushers to help respond. So kids, if you've been wrong, there is nothing more exciting for us than kids who fill out connection cards and they say, uh, I love the church. I love candy, whatever it is, and please pray for my pet goldfish. Whatever that is, that's okay. Like, we love people turning in those connection cards as a way to respond. If there's something more specific on your heart this morning that you can identify and say, you know what, Uh, we need to be able to, uh, I need to be able to respond and see if there's some authentic marks uh, that would identify me as a messenger of the gospel. I'd love to be able to meet with you next time, pray uh, with you sometime this week. That would be a privilege to me.